Well, today we're going to continue in this uh, series, Where is God? I'm going to begin by reminding you of something that Benjamin Franklin said a long time ago when he said that the only sure things in life are what? Death and taxes. That's right. Death and taxes, only sure things in life. But I want to add one more uh, for us these days, particularly. Another sure thing is that before the end of this day, you and I are going to be advertised to. Somehow or other, we're going to come across ads, people pitching us stuff, pitching products, everything from toothpaste to cars to vacations, all these things that people want us to understand that we really, really need. Every product is different. They're going to give us a different pitch. But here's the one thing that they all have in common, that they're all pitching to us as hard as they can, and that's change. The one thing that they're all pitching is the idea that if we buy what they have to offer, we are going to be taking a step into big, beautiful change in our lives. It's something that we all want. It's something that we all need. It's something that we're all in the market for, change. Now, most of the time, the change that we want in our lives is what I'd call circumstantial change, change to our circumstances, or superficial kind of change. We might want change in our relationships, maybe get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, involved in our lives. Maybe we want a little bit of a change in our marriage a little more satisfaction in our marriage. Maybe the change that we want is in our vocation, our job, wanting a little more satisfaction there, or maybe just a better job that gives us more purpose in life. Sometimes the change that we want, in fact, a lot of times the change that we want is in our finances, where we really just want to have a little bit of better feeling about the money uh, that we have, the amount of money that we have. Now, all those things are fine. It's fine to want to have change in our lives. The same God who made us with the ability to have free will and make decisions and be rational about life, it's the same God who made us with a desire to change and to improve our lives and the lives of our family. The problem with change, though, is that a lot of times we want to see change happen and we're looking around, and we see that other people are having that change happen to them a lot more quickly. And we feel like we're not having the change that we want to see come, come fast enough. That's especially tough, I think, when we're looking around at people in our lives, we're looking at people on TV, and we're comparing ourselves, but it's especially tough when we start comparing ourselves with other people in the church. Because the fact that we're looking at people in church and that we are people of faith, it adds a special difficulty to this comparison and to this idea that the change we want is not coming as fast as we think it should. It can make us start to feel that the change is not coming because God is not loving us. God's loving everybody else. Everybody else seems to be moving ahead, but... The change we want to see coming is not coming because God is not loving us. Well, that can be really damaging to our faith. It can be really damaging to our relationship with God and the way that we see change in our lives and, and, and change in relation to God. 
So I think it's more true and more helpful to when we're thinking about change in our lives and how fast we see it coming or not coming, that we think of it more this way. That maybe the change that God wants to see for us is actually coming the more that we devote ourselves to loving Him. That maybe the change that God wants to see in our lives is coming right now. The more that we devote ourselves to loving Him. Now, a few weeks ago, we were talking about uh, the new heaven and the new earth, talking about how someday there's a time when that heaven as it exists today is going to pass away, and the earth as we know it now is going to pass away, and in its stead, there will be a new heaven and a new earth where God is going to have everything the way that God wants it to be, where everything is going to be the way that He intended it to be, and that includes you and me. We talked about how God has implanted within us this desire for that day, this desire for that perfection where we can be finally all that we were meant to be and the world will be all that it was meant to be by God. We have that desire and I think that every change that we want to see happen in our lives, every desire that we want to see that's a good desire, every improvement we want to see in our lives, it's all just really a shadow of that ultimate change that we want to see someday in that new heaven and that new earth, that place where there won't be any reason for change because everything's going to be perfect. In the meantime, here we are. We're struggling for these little changes. Well, God wants for us that deep and important change that is represented by that ultimate restoration and renewal and redemption of all things. That the change that God wants to have for us in our lives is a deep change of restoration, of renewal, and of redemption. I think that that kind of change that God really wants to see happening in our lives was really evident in Jesus' ministry when Jesus was on the earth. Follow me here for just a second. Jesus was on the earth. He's walking around, and he talked a lot about the kingdom of God, right? He talked about the kingdom of God in the sense of that new heaven and new earth that would happen someday, but he also talked about the kingdom of God as being right here. In fact, right wherever Jesus was, that's where the kingdom was. And wherever Jesus was, there was tremendous change happening, but it was change of a certain sort. You remember, for instance, when the man with leprosy came running up to Jesus. Jesus is walking down the street. This man comes running up to Jesus. He has leprosy. He falls to his face in front of Jesus, and he says, Oh, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, what that man was asking for was restoration, wasn't it? Leprosy is an infectious disease. It it decays the nerves and the skin. 
What that man was really asking for was a restoration of his skin to the way it was before. Jesus gives him that. He gives him this gift of restoration. In another great story, Jesus is walking down the street again. He's walking into the town of Nain. And as he's walking towards the city gate, there's a funeral procession. It's coming out of the city. And there's a woman at the head of the procession, and she's beside herself with grief because it's her son who has died. Her son has died and left her with no one. Well, Jesus is just moved with compassion, goes up and touches that coffin. And he says, young man, wake up. And the young man sits up and begins to speak. And then Scripture says the most wonderful thing. He says, Jesus gave him back to his mother. It's a beautiful story again of renewal of this life and restoration of that relationship. God is interested in restoration and renewal and redemption. Jesus' miracles, Jesus' ministry was so much about that. Now, Jesus... Just to be clear, he didn't renew the lives of every single person who died during his ministry. He didn't restore every single person, heal every single person that he came across. But whenever he did, he pointed us towards this ultimate and deep kind of change that God wants to see affected in every one of our lives to restore that which is broken, to renew that which has become corrupted, to redeem that which is lost. And if we really think about it, almost every change that we want to see in our lives, no matter how superficial it may seem, deeply, on a deeper level, that change represents restoration of, of hope in our lives, the renewal of of dreams in our lives, the redemption of our sense of possibility, who we were meant to be. That's the kind, kind of change that God is interested in, that God is moving to bring about in our lives. Restoration, renewal, redemption. And it's the kind of change that is coming the more we are devoted to loving God. Fact is, our relationships really can be renewed, really can be restored in our families, in our marriages. We really can become the kinds of people who might attract into our lives the kind of people we really want to attract into our lives if we are being led by a love for God. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, right, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, these aren't two separate tracks that we do. One day we're doing loving God here and the next day we're doing loving neighbor Loving God leads to loving our neighbors. The more that we really love God and are devoted to loving Him first, we will love others. Loving God best 
means that we will be loving others better than we ever have before. It's being led by that love of God in our jobs, in our vocations. We want to have a little more satisfaction, a little more purpose. Well, it can really help when we have an overall purpose of loving and serving God. When we start to ask ourselves in our daily jobs, how am I right now loving those around me, serving God? Paul said this, it's a good reminder, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. That kind of perspective in our jobs, that kind of perspective in our work, no matter what it is, is going to boost our feeling of purpose in that place. And also, you never know, might put us on the track to a better and more satisfying job just in and of itself. Just remembering that our time and our gifts and our talents all belong to God, and God would like to order those things His way. For his purposes, that gives us an entirely different purpose to the way that we approach our work, being led by love for God. Even our financial situation or the way that we view our finances can be changed by letting ourselves be led first by a love for God. Now, this is kind of ticklish territory because... I know there's a lot of prosperity gospel out there that would say that if we have a certain kind of faith or enough faith or the right faith, we'll see all kinds of material things come into our lives. And I'm not going to say that God cannot and does not support us and reward us sometimes with amazing uh, material things that, that, that that we cannot explain any other way but that God has decided to support us. However, in a bigger sense, our attitude towards our finances can be changed when we change our mind about where our security actually comes from. When Jesus was in his ministry, he came across, as you know if you've read uh, these stories, a rich young ruler. He was a man who uh, was very wealthy. But he had a desire in him to know this. He came to Jesus and he said, how can I find eternal life? How can I find eternal life? Now, whenever anybody, I think, starts to think about eternal life, what they're really asking about is eternal security, true security, the kind of security that gives us the assurance that our lives are not in vain, that we will live forever That's the security that we really desire if we're thinking about eternity. Well, this young man is thinking about it. But Jesus has to change his thinking about where he thinks his security comes from. Jesus answered him, if you want to be perfect, in other words, if you want to find that eternal life, that eternal security, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and then come. Follow me. This man had to decide then. Where is his security? Where does he really believe his security lies? Is it in holding on tightly to all of his wealth or building up more and more? Or is it letting go a little bit of that and putting 
his trust in Jesus. And that's the same for all of us too. It's our wealth. Is it in wealth we trust or is it in Jesus we trust? If we want to test it, the way to do that is to loosen up a little bit, to give some of that wealth that we have to the poor, to people who maybe just need a little bit of what we have. Or to give your time, time that you might otherwise spend making more money, building up more security, building up more wealth. Give some of that time to others. Give some of that time to the cause of Christ. What Jesus is getting across and what I think makes the biggest difference in the way that we view our wealth is that if we invest our money and our time where we believe our security actually lies. Investing our money and our time where we really believe our security lies. Changing the idea of what's important, where our security really comes from. Now, all these things and so many more. I mean, we make these decisions every single day. But all these things and more point to God's desire to take whatever change we want to see in our lives, but help us look at it just a little more deeply to see how God might be wanting for us real restoration, real uh, renewal, real redemption in our lives. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first that kind of restoration and renewal and redemption. Seek that first. And everything else will be added unto you. It's that kind of salvation that God is interested in bringing to us today. When Jesus was on the earth, uh, he traveled a lot. And one day, he went into the town of Jericho. And as he was going into Jericho... Uh, there was a man there, a tax collector, who, if you've been to Sunday school, you know his name was Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a little man, and he was in need of really big change in his life. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. That meant that he was a Jewish guy who was collecting taxes from his neighbors on behalf of the hated, occupying Roman government. So to everybody around, Zacchaeus was a traitor, a turncoat, because he was doing this on behalf of the Roman government. On top of that, he was very wealthy, and the only way you got wealthy doing this kind of job was not only collecting the taxes, but extorting money on the side from your neighbors for yourself. So he had Zacchaeus here. He is challenged relationally. He's challenged because he's got a, an obnoxious job, and he's challenged because his wealth is, is, is corrupt. But here's the thing about Zacchaeus. This as despicable as he was, and this picture of him is, Zacchaeus had a desire to see Jesus. We're told that he hears that Jesus is going to come into town, and Zacchaeus has this desire to go see him. Now, as we've talked about, any time a person has a desire to seek God, that desire is inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
And that goes for Zacchaeus, and it goes for you and me and anybody we know. Anybody who has a desire to crack open a Bible, attend a worship service, bring a baby to baptism, those things that are seeking God are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So this man, Zacchaeus, he's being turned on by the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus comes into town, Zacchaeus runs down into the town to to somehow make contact with Jesus. I doubt he even knows why. But he gets there and he literally can't see because he is a little man. He can't see over the crowd. So he has this desire and it's so powerful that he climbs up a tree. And as Jesus gets to the place where Zacchaeus has climbed this tree, Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, and he calls him by name, which is a reminder that he knows your name, and he knows my name. He says, Zacchaeus, you come down from there because I am going to your house today. I'm your friend today. You sought me. You found me today. Scripture says they went to Zacchaeus' house. And they sat down and they ate together, this, 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 this object of friendship. And as he has this encounter with Jesus, he has deep and meaningful change in his life. Zacchaeus stands up and he said, To Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Deep and meaningful change in the way that he sees his finances to give some away. He says, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Restoration, renewal of his relationships, reaching out to those whom he has harmed. And as he said this, Jesus stood up. And he said, today salvation has come to this house. Restoration. Renewal. Redemption. Everything in Zacchaeus' life turned upside down by the deep change that God desired for him. change that's coming when we devote ourselves to loving Him. Well, next week, we're going to look at how it is that sometimes our Old Testament view of God can interfere with the New Testament love of Jesus. But this week, Let's all just think about those changes that we want to see in our lives. And they're fine. They're good. We should should pursue those things. But at the same time, let's just remember that underneath all of those changes that we want to see in our lives is a real desire for the deep and meaningful change that God wants for us. The change that we'll all experience one day when we're all together in heaven. True restoration. True renewal true redemption the realization of all that we are meant to be and all that God has for us we can get a taste of that today 
when we remember that that change he wants for us is coming. The more we devote ourselves to loving him. Amen? All right.